0: Well, to borrow a line from Jeff Foxworthy, if your church worship band plays the intro to Sweet Home Alabama a week from Christmas, you may be in a redneck church. (laughs) You might wonder, what in the world was that? Well, we are in this Christmas study we've called Intros. And if you think about it, there are a lot of songs that have these iconic beginnings, these iconic intros. As soon as you hear the opening riffs, like you know exactly what song it is. Well, in a similar way, when you think about the story of Jesus, there's an introduction to his life that has some very well known recognizable features. Star, shepherd, wise men, Virgin Mary, a baby in a manger. When you see or you hear about those things, you know like this is the classic Christmas story. And so during this study, we've been asking the Lord, we want to we dive in and press into those familiar things, but we would love to get some fresh revelation. Now just kind of sleepwalk through the Christmas story again, but God give us something real and fresh as we lean into this story one more time. And so in week number one, we talked about how the introduction to Jesus life challenges us in terms of our expectations of God. Like when you look at the introduction of Jesus' life, it it uncovers the fact that God will do things in unexpected places with unexpected people. And they're just things that he does that we don't expect. And so we've said we've got to challenge ourselves to stretch our faith a little bit and have some bigger expectations for God in our life. The second week, last week, we talked about some challenges that relate to consequences that come from the, the union, the mysterious union of the divine and the human. I mean, that's the centerpiece of the Christmas story is understanding that the eternal son became the God-man, fully God, fully human. And we noted that that's a, that's a manifestation of the divine human. It's never going to be repeated. It's unique. But there are other ways in which God forges these divine human connections. And we said salvation is one of those God has done his part in saving us by his grace but there's also a part we play we have to receive God's offer of salvation with our repentance and our faith and once we're saved we've got an ongoing consequence where we have to walk out our salvation the bible says we have to work that out and so We've looked at some of these things. Today, we're going to add a third little feature that we want God to stretch and challenge us, and it's in the area of, listen to this, wisdom cues. Wisdom cues. Along life's way, God's going to drop into your life some wisdom cues, and those are meant to help you. If you'll pick them up, those are meant to help you find a more meaningful, purposeful, blessed way through life. It's like God leaving little breadcrumb trails, that if we'll pick those up and follow them, we'll we'll find the wisdom that we need for life. Here's the question. Are you picking up God's wisdom cues in your life? Now, as we talk about wisdom, it's Christmas time. And so this is the season of giving gifts, which makes me wonder, has anybody ever made an unwise purchase in terms of giving someone a gift or maybe you've made some unwise decisions of what to ask for whenever I was a freshman in college at the University of Arkansas there was a class on business and the professor of that class said I've got some advice for you when you go home this year for Christmas and your parents ask you what do you want for Christmas you tell them one thing Walmart stock. (laughs) Now, the University of Arkansas is just around the corner from Bentonville, the headquarters of Walmart. At that particular time, they were kind of just getting started. They had a little over 300 stores nationwide. Now, to give you perspective, today, Texas alone has 516 Walmarts. So this is early on. So his advice is, you know, go get your parents to give you, instead of presents, stock. And I thought, stock? I want a Walkman, man. What are you talking about, stock? (laughs) So I got curious this week, do a little research. Like, if they would have given me $1,000 worth of Walmart stock in 1981, what would it be worth today? So I went to a website devoted to kind of doing this kind of math, So had my parents bought me $1,000 of Walmart stock in 1981, it would be valued today at $1.9 million. But I got my Walkman. Sometimes uh, we may ask for some unwise things for Christmas. Now, it got me thinking even more. I wonder if some people have given some really bad Christmas gifts, just some weird, wacky Christmas gifts. Now, for this point of the sermon, I'm going to need your participation. So I'm going to read you some really strange gifts. But when I point to you, here's your part. you got to give me a really loud, that's weird. Okay, let's do a little practice. That's pretty good. All right, so here's the first one. This person writes this. I received two rabbits. Look at this picture. Two rabbits as a Christmas gift from my boss. (laughs) They were delivered by a farm and ranch store about two weeks out from Christmas Day. The note Attached with the rabbits, said this I wanted to get these to you in time to fatten them up for Christmas dinner because in Cuba, our family eats rabbit for Christmas. That's weird. Yes, it is. Someone posted this picture of shoes they got for Christmas that looked like bare feet. That's weird. Yep. Another person with a strange friend, let me emphasize that, a strange friend gave them a set of bra planters. That's braziers. you can plant flowers in. I can hear somebody right now, the pastor put a picture of brassiers <laughs> on the screen at Christmas. I didn't buy them. A newly engaged couple got this from a family friend for Christmas. Hand-holding gloves. That's That's weird. Finally this. A set of twin teenage boys told their uncle at Thanksgiving that they loved his beard. And that they were hoping that Santa would get them a beard Christmas. Well, that uncle shaved his beard and gave it to him in a Ziploc bag for Christmas. That's weird. Those are all really bad, weird, unwise gifts. So let's wise up, huh? Let's wise up. Let's learn how to give some wise gifts. More importantly, let's learn how to pick up on God's wisdom for our lives. I want you to take your Bible open with you to Matthew chapter 2. We're going to look at verses 1 through 12. We're going to pick up on some of these wisdom cues that play a part in the Christmas intro. Matthew chapter 2 verses 1 through 12. Uh, We are most of the way kind of through our renovation project Phases one and two is in here and out in the lobby. And uh, we've got a couple more things we want to do. We want to invite you to partner with us as we see that project through. But I thought now would be a great time for us to thank really the key person that's been a help to us through this process. Jimmy Henderson at Green Street Construction has really done a phenomenal job in helping us do all of this. Could we just tell Jimmy this morning, thank you. We appreciate you. Thank you, man. Now, let's think this. Where can we find some wisdom for life? People have said, well, here's here's a place where I would start with some smarts. Like get you some education, get some training, get a little learning, and that's going to make you wise. Smarts make you wise. Well, the problem with that is many of us think that some of the smartest people on the planet can do some of the dumbest things. So smarts doesn't necessarily equal wisdom. Or how about this one, age? Age. When you get older you become wiser. Now listen, I certainly can understand and empathize with the fact you get a little, you know, tread off the tires and it's going to lend itself toward wisdom, but here's the problem with just equating age and wisdom. I've met some foolish senior adults and I also know some really wise middle schoolers. So age doesn't necessarily mean wisdom or how about this one experience the thought is when you go through stuff in life man it makes you wise well you can experience wisdom if you learn from what you go through but many of us know people who seem to make the same dumb mistakes over and over and over again so being smart getting older going through things doesn't necessarily make us wise let me tell you where we get wisdom Wisdom comes from the Lord. Wisdom is those little life nuggets that God drops into our life that will help us understand his way for our life. And if we add that wisdom to our life, it's going to mean that we have a more meaningful, purposeful, productive life. You've got to learn to pick up on the wisdom cues that God gives you. Now here's some example of those wisdom cues in the introduction of Jesus. Verse 1, Matthew chapter 2. Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that same time, wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem. We'll pause there. Well, let's take note of this. God gives us wisdom cues that come from, listen, wise people who've gone before us. Now we've already said like age and experience doesn't guarantee you wisdom, but when you find a person who's lived a little bit and they've gone through some things and they've learned from it, that's a wise person learn to listen to them. Listen to them. My grandfather was an uneducated man. He could not read or write. He was a true Arkansas hillbilly, but he could drop some wisdom nuggets. When I was a younger man, he gave me some wisdom cues I'm so grateful for. One of the things that he used to say to me is this, there are some mules only you can ride. There are some mules only you can ride. What in the world does that mean? That means that there are times in life when there are things that are going to happen and you're just going to have to man up and saddle up and ride your way through it. Ain't nobody going to ride that for you. And so I learned from him, you've got to have some grit and perseverance in life when you go through some hard things. And so I'm grateful for that little bit of wisdom that he added into My life, when someone has gone before you, they've lived, they've learned, they've got wisdom, learn to listen to them. God will give you wisdom cues through their life. Now, where do we see like wisdom cues from wise people happening in this intro of Jesus? Well, let's ask this. Who are the wise men? Who are they? Who are the people that are sometimes known as the magi? in the intro story. Well, if you haven't learned this before, the wise men, or the magi, as they're sometimes called, were part of an ancient collective of smart, high-capacity people that were assembled from all over the Babylonian empire. When the Babylonians would stretch and acquire new territory, when they would conquer new places they would take some of the people, the brightest and the best, and they would forcibly remove them from their home to take them back to Babylon, where they were from, and they were corralled into this community called the Magi, the wise men. And in that circle, they would pool their wisdom and they would pool the technologies from different parts of the world. That's the magi. That's the wise men. The Babylonian kings would use them as a reference when they're making decisions on what to do in their rule. Now, when when Israel was was captured by the Babylonians, they once again spotted some of the, the young, bright, and best, and they took them back to Babylon. One of the people deported, taken forcibly to join the Magi in Babylon was a young man by the name of Daniel. The same one you kind of know from the story of Daniel and the lion's den. That Daniel was taken to become a part of the Magi. He demonstrated his wisdom... On one occasion, whenever he helped interpret the dreams, the bad dreams of Nebuchadnezzar. And because he was able to interpret those dreams, the Bible tells us the king rewarded him. So in Daniel chapter 2, verse 48, it reads this way. The king appointed Daniel to a high position and gave him many valuable gifts. He made Daniel ruler over the whole province of Babylon, and watch this, as well as the chief of all of his wise men. Did you catch that? Daniel became the president of the Magi or the wise men. Now, later in life, while he's still in charge of the Magi, he is given some very special insight by the Lord. In fact, an angel messenger appears to Daniel to give him a message from God. Now, that messenger that came from God is named Gabriel. You might remember from last week when we were talking about Mary, she had an angel visitor that came to her and told her, like, you're going to be pregnant with the Messiah. You're going to name him Jesus. That angel messenger to Mary, Gabriel. So same guy. But in this case, it happens hundreds of years Earlier. And he comes to Daniel to give him some some special insight. So we read this in Daniel chapter 9, beginning in verse 22. It says, I've come to give you insight and understanding. Verse 25. Now listen, process this, and understand it. Seven sets of seven plus 62 sets of seven will pass from the time the command is given to rebuild Jerusalem until a ruler, the anointed one, the Messiah, the King of Kings, the King of the Jews comes. Now notice, after this period of 62 sets of seven, the anointed one will be killed, appearing to have accomplished nothing. To decode this Message and mathematical formula that was given to Daniel, we need to understand the sets of seven relate to years. So the computation that Daniel was given is seven times seven plus 62 times seven equals 483. That means seven sets of seven years is 49 years plus 62 sets of seven years is 434 years which totals 483 years he's given a timeline of when you can expect the appearance of the messiah now notice in the prophecy it places an end point like after this happened then the messiah will be will be killed so it's very specific in giving us that termination point, but it's also incredibly specific in giving us the beginning. It says in the prophecy that at the, at, the, at the command to rebuild Jerusalem, that's when the timeline starts. It ends with the Messiah being killed, but it starts right here. Now, we know exactly when that happened. History books tell you King Artaxerxes gave the command to rebuild Jerusalem on March 4th, 444 B.C. Now, when you use a Hebrew calendar, which is based upon a 360-day year because they use a lunar calendar, and you calculate the days and you come up with a number figure, when you you take that to its 483-year conclusion, you arrive at a date of March 30th, A.D. 33, the very day Jesus went into Jerusalem in his triumphal entry, And only a few days later, on April 3rd, he will be crucified. Daniel gave the exact time frame of when you could expect the Messiah to appear. Now, with all we know about Daniel, his courage... His faith, his loyalty. What are the odds he sits on that information? Huh? Zero. You know what he did. Which is he passed to the wise men, the magi, the expectation of when they could know exactly when the king of kings, the king of the Jews, the Messiah, when Jesus would be born. How else do they know to even come to Jerusalem looking for him? A wise man told them, and they picked up on that wisdom. Can I say to you, God has put some wise people in your life, and they have some wise things to offer you. Are you picking up on the wisdom that they're offering? Or are you ignoring them or not listening to them thinking that they're, ah, you know, they don't know. They ain't got it going on. No, no, no. God's put people in your life who are wise and the Lord is using them to give you wisdom cues. Are you hearing them? Again, verse one. These wise men from Eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, where is the newborn King of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose and we've come to worship him. So here's another way God drops wisdom into our life. It will come through observing what he is doing around us. You can pick up on God's wisdom by just paying attention to what God is doing around you. Now, without light pollution, the evening skies just light up with stars. Here's a picture of what we could see today if we just didn't have all this light pollution to block our view of the heavenly skies. Now, among the things that, the wise men, the Magi, are known for, it's, it's observing the evening skies. They even come up with computations for how to figure the movements of the constellations. Some of those computations are still used today. They watched the night skies. And they said, we saw his star rise. What did they see? Well, we don't know the exact date of when Jesus was born. Here's a little bit of a buzzkill. It's not December the 25th. More on that another time. But we kind of know the range of when Jesus was born. Here's what astronomers can do today. They can backtrack take the calculations and go back and look and see what kind of celestial manifestations might have happened that got their attention that they saw a star rising. So here's some of the points of speculation from astronomers. One would be it could be a lunar eclipse. The planet Jupiter moved in front of the moon. That Jupiter is recognized as the king planet. It might have been that. There were also comets. That had known paths to cross the night skies during that time. But there was also a conjunction of planets that happened. What is a conjunction of planets? That's when, from our perspective on earth, when you're looking up, things move together so closely, it looks like they merge as one. And so there's a conjunction that occurs between Jupiter, Venus, and the star Regulus in the constellation Leo the Lion. Here's some pictures that show you just kind of the proximity to Jupiter, Venus, Regulus in the constellation of Leo. Now, a few years ago, those three things moved together in a conjunction again. Most astronomers say it was the first time that it had happened in 2,000 years. And when it occurred, you can see the kind of signal light that it put in the skies. Maybe maybe this is what gains their attention. There's even something Extra that happens with this particular conjunction 2,000 years ago, there is a retrograde of Jupiter, which means as those planets separate after the appearance of a conjunction because of the rotation of the planets and orbits and all that kind of stuff, it looks like Jupiter moves away but then returns back to Regulus. And so the retrograde may have added another element of like surprise to the... Maybe this is what they... See, which gets their attention. We don't know what it is that they see by definition of a star that rises. But here's what we do know. They were looking and they saw something that grabbed their attention. And hear me, they didn't ignore it. They took note of it. Can I say to you that God is in the process all around you in ordinary things. God is trying to get your attention to give you some wisdom. But most of us, we're not paying attention. We've got to re-gear our eyes so that we're kind of like Moses. We see bushes that burn and it gets our attention. God is all around you trying to get your attention to get some wisdom to you. Are you picking up on where God is working around you to drop some wisdom into your life? There's the next one. Verse three, King Herod was... Deeply disturbed when he heard this report of the king being born. He called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of the religious law. People who taught the Bible. And asked him, where is the Messiah supposed to be born? In Bethlehem in Judea, they said, for this is what the prophet wrote. Here's what the scripture says. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah are not least among the ruling cities of Judah, for a ruler will come from you who will be the shepherd for my people, Israel. So here's another way that God provides wisdom cues for us, and it it comes through Scripture. In fact, the most reliable source of wisdom cues for your life comes from the Bible. God's trying to give you guidance Through the scripture. But there are far too many people. And I'm talking about believers too. There are far too many people. Who ignore the billboards of wisdom. That have been provided for us. In the scripture. It's there for your guidance. But we're not going to the scripture. To get wisdom. We're going to other places. We're looking to the culture. We're googling things. For crying out loud. We're we're not tuned into the very truth and wisdom that God gives us in the Bible. But notice these wise men, they show up in Jerusalem. That's the capital city looking for the king of the Jews to be born because that's where you would go. You would go to Jerusalem, but they find out he's not here. So there's this conference that's called, pulling together religious teachers, asking them, what does the Bible say? And they say, well, the Bible says he's going to be born in Bethlehem. And so there's this... There, there's a signal to us to make sure that we are paying attention to God's word whenever we're looking for wisdom. Because I, I want to say to you, man, God's not trying to play a game with you. He's not playing cat and mouse. He's giving you these very obvious wisdom cues for your life. You just got to be looking there. Now, I know many of us would say it's super intimidating to just go to the Bible and like look for Wisdom cues. We understand that. So we're here to help. One of the things that we provide for you on our website is a routine reading plan that allows you to read scripture intentionally each day. And there's a there's a guide, there's a a coach to help you how to read that in a way that you can find the wisdom cues that are provided in the text. Of Scripture, We want to help you with that. And if you'll learn to read the Bible more frequently, you'll find wisdom cues for your life. Amen. But I know many of us say, well, I'm, I'm in more of a hurry than, than just kind of reading through every day and, and, and eventually getting to the wisdom that I need. I, 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 need it, I need it now. Well, we got you. So there's a resource called uh, the Info Bible, and you can go to this website, um, openbible.info, and there's a search engine. And you can type in like a topic and it will spit out for you scriptures that speak to the very topic you put in the search engine. So you can find God's wisdom by just using that as a tool and a resource to point you toward the verses in scripture that can help you. But you may say, well, the the question I've got is a little bit more broad. I, I would like someone to answer my Bible question. Again, we got you. So there's another resource called gotanswers.org also has a place, a search engine for you. And there you can type in your question and it's going to give back for you an answer. They've answered over 700,000 Bible questions. There's no reason for any of us not to look to the Bible for wisdom with that much information provided for us. So are you picking up on the wisdom God offers you in the scripture? Verse 9 says, After this interview, the wise men went their way, and the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was was when they saw the star, they were filled with joy. You kind of know the rest of the story. They go in, they worship the Christ child, they give him gold, frankincense, and myrrh. So this part of the story tells us that wisdom cues, listen to this, can come by divine arrangement. That God can have his hand directly working in your life to make sure, listen to this, at the right place, at the right time, in the right moment, that he gets you the wisdom that you need. Now notice these, these guys are following the star, but now, now it's different. You know, earlier it could have been an ordinary kind of conjunction or a comet or something that gets their attention. But now that star starts to behave in ways that a star doesn't behave. It's moving and it's stopping. So now you can see that God takes something that maybe was ordinary at one point, but now he involves his hand, and it starts getting supernatural because God wants to make sure that he provides them the wisdom that they need. I want to say to you, God is intentionally working in your life to make sure that you have what you need when you need it. Are you just picking up on it? That's the question. He's he's making sure you have the wisdom you need. Are you picking up on it? See, here's what God does. He opens doors that nobody else can open. He schedules your life so that people are crossing your path at just the right moment. God's making sure that you've got the wisdom that you need. The question is, are we picking up on that wisdom? The wise men did, but Herod, he didn't. Verse 12 concludes this way, when it was time to leave... They, the wise men, returned to their own country by another route. For God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. Herod had the same cues the wise men had, but he didn't pick up on them. And I want you to see, God wanted Herod to pick up on them. As wicked of a man as Herod was, God was still sending him wisdom cues. He just wasn't picking up on them. And so may I say to us at Christmas time, let's be a little more like wise men, a little less like Herod. Let's pick up on the wisdom that God provides. Proverbs 4, 7 says, getting wisdom is the wisest thing you can do. Stand on your feet. This is important, man. Because some of you are facing some crossroad moments in your life. You've got some decisions to make. There's some things where you need Wisdom. And if you're not careful, you're going to run on ahead your own way. You're going to do your own thing. And you're going to miss the cues that God is giving you to direct your life so that it becomes more meaningful, more purposeful, more blessed. And so you've got to, you've got to learn to pay attention. You've got to pay attention to the cues that Jesus is giving you. You don't want to run off and just do the same old dumb thing you've been doing over and over again. Come on now. You've got to wise up. And you need to receive the wisdom that God has to offer.